Well, welcome everyone. It is an intimate crowd today, isn't it? That's all right, we love that. I was expecting a few more children, <laughs> but that's good. Nice to see you, Joel. Any of the children, you are welcome to come and sit. The chair's been put out for you. We've got the children in with us today, which is very exciting. I always like to have the children with us. And it helps me just to think about what I'm saying as well, that it's not too sort of religious jargon and we can all understand it. Hello, George. So, actually, I'm going to ask you, first of all, to stand to your feet. We're going to play a little game, because we can. So, it's just going to be a very quick game. It's, you're, I'm sure you're all familiar with it. It's called Rock, Paper, Scissors. So, what I want you to do is you've just got to find someone and do Rock, Paper, Scissors. And uh, if you lose, I want you to sit down. And we're going to continue to do this till we find the final winner, okay? Okay, so we've got to do this very quickly. Does everyone understand the game? Yeah, Rock, Paper... Scissors. Sorry? No, best of three. Just one. You do one, and then if you lose, you're down. Okay? You're out. We're going to be harsh. So, ready? We'll do it together. Are you, are you all with a partner? Are you all ready? No. Oh, John, I can't remember. That's rock. That's paper. That's scissors. Scissors cut paper. Uh, paper wraps rock. Uh, rock blunt scissors. I think that's it, isn't it? So, you get it. So, okay, go. Rock, paper, scissors. And on, and on scissors, you need to do your action. Rock, paper, scissors. Once you've done it and you're still standing, find someone else. How are we doing? If you've lost, you need to sit down. And if you're still going, you've got to find someone else. Norbert, you've got to find someone. Who have we got? Norbert and George. Who's left standing? Norbert, are you standing? You're out. Norbert, sit down. Sarah and George. Maureen, have you won? Oh, you need to come forward. Someone else? No, not yet. There's a few more people. Rock, paper. On three, yeah. Rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Oh. So it's now George and... Oh. Okay, so it's George and Maureen. Here we go. One all together. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, George, you're the winner. Amazing work. And you won with a rock, which is so convenient, because today we're talking about living stones. Oh, how good is that? And this is effectively a living stone, isn't it? And did you know in the Bible there's something about living stones? We are like living stones. And I've got a living stone here. This stone is very much alive there. It's vibrating there. Okay, so it's one of those, another one of those oxymorons in the Bible that's sort of contradicting. But it's in there for a reason. And so today we're going to try and have a look. 
we'll have a look at seeing what this is all about and what can we learn from this? What truth can we claim for ourselves? What promise can we kind of claim for ourselves about this, about us being living stones? So let's read the scripture where this comes from. First of all, it comes from 1 Peter 2. Okay, let me go for that. Okay, 1 Peter 2, verse 4 to 12. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies, I can never say that word, excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Okay, we were not going to go into all of that because there's a lot in there. But I'm going to really just focus on us, us as living stones. Actually, would it, someone mind just giving me a water? I can feel my tongue sticking to my roof of my... Oh, lots of And I won't be able to speak. So there's a few things I want to pull out. First of all, in this bit of the passage, it says, as you come to him, I believe... As living stones, this is the first thing we need to do. This is the first. We are actually dead in our sins. We're lifeless. There's no life in us. And thank you very much. Oh, my beautiful wife. And um, we're, we're completely dead. And so we need to come to him. This is the first thing. This is essential that we come to him. As you come to him. Because when we come to him, when we touch the living stone then he gives life. Throughout the Bible, we can read about how he's our living hope. How is our... Um, let me just look at some of the things. So he gives life. He's our living water. He's our living bread. He's the living way. We know it's, it's in him, we know life to the full. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So he brings life. So when we touch the living stone, he imparts life to us. Amen. So as we touch him, we receive life and we become a living stone. Fit to be built into a holy temple. It's amazing. So I believe that those that do come to him, God is already drawing. I just had this image. Do you know sometimes you go rock pooling and you can see a big rock? And at the top, there may be a little pebble on the top. And I just think, actually... We started at the bottom of the ocean in the depths of darkness in the sea. But God, 
through his spirit, through his spiritual tide, through his Holy Spirit, he, the current of his spirit rose us up and brought us out of darkness. And then we find ourselves on a rock like a pebble, strangely confined itself on the top of a rock as you go rock calling. So I want to ask, will you come to him today? If you don't know him, will you come to him today and receive life that he can bring? The wise man builds his house upon the children. Any ideas? Yes. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. Good. Rock. Yeah. Through the mouth of babes. Do you, you, this is what we need to understand. The wise man builds his house upon the rock, not on any other thing, any other shifting sand. The wise man builds upon the, a house upon the rock. Are you building on Jesus, upon Jesus? Come to him. So that's the first thing. Another extraordinary truth that as living stones that we need to receive is that he chose us. We had an extension a few years ago, and I remember asking the builder, I didn't know what brick to have, and... Uh, we didn't need to match the existing brick. And he gave me half a dozen different bricks for us to choose, different textures, different colours and shades and all sorts of different things. And we lined them up and we spent ages trying to choose the brick. And uh, we chose the one and we, uh, we were happy with it. But the ones that we didn't like, you know, we, did, we didn't even give them back to the builder. We, we just discarded them behind the back of the shed. We may have filled old pots or, I don't know, propped up sheds, anything. But they were just discarded around the back of the shed. Do you know, in verse 7 it says this, speaking of Jesus, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Verse 4 says of Jesus, Jesus was chosen and precious. And so are we. We know that we're chosen also, just as Jesus is chosen. He was discarded like a, a discarded rock. He was used as the cornerstone. But we are chosen too. Just as he is chosen and precious, you, in verse 9 it says, you are a chosen race. There's absolutely no shame. Because Jesus has chosen us. He's, he's the master builder. He's the one that hand selects his living stones to build this spiritual house that would hold the presence of God. Whilst we were away a couple of weeks ago, um, we had to go to my cousin's wedding and we stayed in this little lodge. Um, there's a picture, actually, I think. Um, and, we, and I just looked, as it came out of this lodge, I just noticed one thing, that the, the building was made up of so many different random rocks. You know, it wasn't uniform. And it just reminded me of the illustration of what church is, of um, what Jesus is building. Each stone is, is needed and necessary. You know, there may be little gaps, but they're filled with smaller stones. Lots of different irregular, shaped, imperfect, broken, large and small stones, all used for this construction. And uh, we must follow the, the, the example of Christ. He was rejected and cast off. But God chose him. We must never feel re- rejected and cast off. Know that you're chosen and precious in God's eyes and he builds you in. You're part of his master plan uh, for his home. And um, we also know, uh, remarkably, in Ephesians uh, 1.4, it talks about how we were chosen before the foundations of the earth. I don't even understand that. But 
there's something that God wants to impart with us, that we are a chosen people. We're selected in his sovereignty, in his divinity. He's chosen and selected us for him and for his house. The third encouragement, as living stones, we are to be built together. As we remember Pentecost, do you remember it says, as the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. There's something about being built together that we need to understand. Where it says in our passage, you are like living stones. You is plural. It's not just individual. It's a plural. And uh, it means that we're saved into a community of believers We're being built together alongside one another, on top of each other. We are supposed to be in close proximity with each other, in unity, in in collaboration, in team with one another. In the face of difficulty and uh, persecution, we need to stick together. We need to have a firm, resolute trust in God, but we also need to lean into one another as well as we work out our salvation together. There's a brilliant passage in Ephesians 2.20 that says this about being built together. Ephesians 2.20 says this, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All of us together being built together for a place, for a home, for the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was a child, not a child, maybe a teenager, um, studying Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, a dead play. And I just remember, the only thing I remember is there's, there's two actors basically on it as a play. And uh, they thought they'd do something constructive. And they thought they'd do a, um, a human pyramid I was going to do one here, but I thought it's too risky. I haven't done a risk assessment. But, um, but they were going to do a human pyramid with two people. So the sad thing is, it's just going to be a very short, blunt pyramid, isn't it? It's not even going to... And the point I'm trying to make is, we all need to work together. If we're going to build an impressive temple of the Holy Spirit, it's not just a one or two. It is for everyone to join together that we might house him. When the people of God build together with different cultures and nationalities, ages, experiences, social backgrounds, misshapen, broken lives. When we do something together, it displays something beautiful about unity, about acceptance, love. And this can only be achieved through the church, not through any other man-made schemes or plans. I believe this. Do you believe what it says in Ephesians 3.10? It says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Through the church, through us, through you and me. When the Holy Spirit fills us, he makes us living stones. And then what else happens? The word of God comes alive. The word of God comes alive. And I've got two examples, which I heard a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We were doing the daytime uh, connect group, and two ladies... Uh, in their senior years, shared. Um, I've had permission from one. The other one's on holiday, but don't tell her I said this one. So, so one, um, Pam said that we were going through Romans 8 together. And this is an example of how the Holy Spirit just brings life to the Word of God. So, because we know in, in Hebrews it says, for the Word of God is living and active. Yeah? And so what Pam said as we were looking through Romans 8, she recalled when she was younger, she was 
feeling a bit um, distant from God, and she thought she was going to just wait on God. I think she was in the garden. She just waited on God, and she wasn't going to move until she had breakthrough from God. And she was reading Romans 8, and uh, one of the particular verses came out to her. I think it was, but if Christ is in you, the spirit is life. And she thought, oh, I don't really get that. And it, didn't, it didn't really resonate. She meditated on it for a bit. And then she said, and she shared with us, it changed my life. Once the spirit made me understand this scripture, it's changed my life from then on in. And then Sybil, who's here, I've had permission from Sybil. She said, as we were looking at Romans 8 again, she was, this is the time when she was being filled with the spirit. She was in a meeting, lots of activity, similar to the ones that Felix was talking about, you know, people falling over, lots of things going on. And um, she was there and just feeling a little bit isolated, not really involved, not really feeling um, the experience of the Holy Spirit. And um, I think someone prayed for her, and still not a lot was going on. And then, I think it was as she was leaving, she started repeating in her spirit the words, two words, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And it stayed there. I think it carried on till you were going to bed at night, is that right? And it just repeated. And this is what the Spirit does. He brings the word to life. These are just two words, simple words, Abba, Father. But when the Spirit takes them, he uses them, and it resonates in you that you're a child of God. And then meaning comes, and truth is revealed, and the word is living and active within you. So originally, when the law came, the commandments came, they were chiseled out on tablets of rock, yes? And, um, but now, what's happening it says in Hebrews that the Holy Spirit will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. So they're no longer on these separate tablets of rock. We are now the rock where he's written his word in us. So it's not a separate thing that causes us to stumble or fall. or you know, It's something that is within us. It's resonating within us. It's vibrating within us. And we are compelled and we, we, there's joy in following what the word says. So we can read in our passage, it was talking about how the word, it causes them to stumble in verse 8. But now when the word is written on our hearts, we joyfully submit to what is written. We become a living stone. We become that tablet. God's word remains true through every generation it stands strong through every generation in Psalm 119 it says your eternal word O Lord stands firm in heaven your faithfulness extends to every generation as as enduring as the earth you created your regulations remain true to this day for everything serves your plans so I, I invite you to willingly obey the word written in your heart think of it like a stick of you know you know a stick of rock children you know you get the words written through the stick of rock you break it in anywhere consider the, like the word being like written through your lives may people see it if they break a bit off you are they going to see the word of god inside you as you respond jesus wants to redeem every area of his earth back to his kingdom values now people around us have bought in to the lie that actually true freedom comes from doing whatever you like and whatever you please as long as it doesn't hurt anyone and it's an absolute lie 
God's always given us boundaries. And actually true freedom, it only comes through boundaries. In the beginning he said, go forth and multiply. They said, but don't go to that tree. But within that, there's freedom. And we need to understand and we need to help people understand that true freedom doesn't come from doing whatever you want. We need to invite people to understand and see the values, the kingdom values, which will bring them freedom in their lives. It's word and spirit. I quite like this whole thing of living stone. There's something about word and spirit. Evangelical, charismatic, spirit-filled, Bible-believing. There's both. We need both in our lives. I want you to think, actually, we may bring them out a bit later. I want you to all think of particular, I don't, I don't want you to spend a long time doing this, particular scriptures that have transformed your lives. Just one verse that you know transformed your life and brought life to you and changed the direction of your life. Brought maybe peace, maybe joy, maybe a direction. You, you know, if someone said, What's the word, how's the word spoken to you? How's the word been living in your life? I want you to think about that. And we might have a few people to share that at the end. Just one sentence. It's this verse, and this is what it meant. And this is how it transformed me and significant. Okay, finally, power to witness. Power to proclaim Christ. This is what we are as living stones Justin Welby, Archbishop of Canterbury, said, The Spirit, then, isn't for some private experience, but for the sake of our lives, for the sake of our life for Christ in the world. So he's basically saying the main purpose is to give us power to be bold witnesses to those around us. And we can see that from our uh, passage in verse 9. It says, That you may proclaim the excellencies of him. It's not always in word, it's in deeds as well. In verse 12, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation, of when Christ returns. We, we, we know that we are to proclaim the word. Matthew 10, 7 says, proclaim as you go. So I ask you, how is it that this timid Peter, who was once embarrassed with a few teenage girls, denied Christ in front of them, was able to stand before thousands on the day of Pentecost and say these words, God made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus you crucified, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What changed in him? I'll tell you what changed. He received the Holy Spirit As living stones, we too can be empowered, just like Peter, to share Christ openly and boldly with those around us. We don't feel embarrassment or shame anymore because we're confident in who we, who we are, our identity and our purpose and our significance. So as I said, the power that is displayed through us is in our words, but it's also in our deeds as well. And... I think as, you know, as people came and touched Jesus, they saw him, his words, but they saw him. It was accompanied by action too. And I just want to remind us that you know, these signs will accompany us as well. It will accompany those who believe. We will drive out demons. We will speak in new tongues. Place hands on the sick and they'll be healed. 
as living stones. Um, the word comes through our words and our actions. And we talked about this before. I mean, this passage I'm looking at, it follows on from the bit about holiness. I believe our holiness is a, a living, visible sign and witness to what God is doing within us as he is more and more revealing himself in us as we're sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So what do people receive when they touch you? Do they receive life as, they, as when people touch Jesus? As we kind of respond, I, I, I just want to remind you of your names. I, you're all actually called Livingston. <laughs> now, why don't you just say, nice to meet you in Livingston to the person next to you. So, so Jesus actually renamed Peter, didn't he? His, his original name was Simon, which actually means reed. And he was renamed Peter, which in the Greek sounds similar to the word rock. And um, it was because he saw he, that Peter confessed that Jesus is the son of the living God. And he knew that the church could be built on this statement. Jesus saw faith in Peter and prophetically spoke to him. And I want you to receive that kind of new name, Livingston. You're a living stone. You're not like Simon, a wavering, easily swayed reed. But you're a rock like man and woman of God. Fourteen years ago, we had a boy and um, I, um, I named him. Uh, well, we, we named him together, but when it came to doing the signing, uh, Jen was busy. And uh, so we, had the, we agreed the names of Eden, Bailey, Emmanuel. But for some reason, when I was at the uh, registry office, I, had to come, I was compelled just to add rock on the end without my discussing with my... So I, to, be, to be fair, I would have probably gone for Livingston, but I thought, I'm pushing it, let's keep it short. But um, so I added rock, and I know why did I do that? It's because I wanted Eden to build his life on the rock, on the living stone. Yeah, I wanted him to know that there's nothing else that he could build his life on other than Jesus. So as we, as living stones, build together a spiritual house, I want you to know that his spiritual house is alive. It's, it's, it's vibrant, it's resonating. His church, his holy temple, it's, it's, it's not a, a stationary monument for people to come and look at. It's, it's a dynamic living organism housing the Holy Spirit, housing his presence. We are part of a living temple housing the presence of God. This is wonderful. Um, just a couple of things. In Exodus, there was a bit where Moses struck the rock and water came out of the rock for people, all people to drink. And I believe this is foreshadowing Christ being struck and then living water came forth for everyone. 
to drink. In John 7:38, it says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit. And as living stones together, I want to ask, what, what comes out of you when you're touched? Is it living water? I, would live, I think what we're going to do as we close, uh, we're going to worship together. And, um, and then we're going to spend some time just praying a very simple prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And what I, I just felt the way we should do this is young and old, I want us to partner up. I want children, can you say that prayer? Come Holy Spirit. You can do that prayer, can't you? We can all do that prayer. It's a simple prayer. And we're going to pray that over each other. We don't need to do any elaborate prayers. We're just going to pray for one another. And we're going to say, come Holy Spirit. The thing is, it says, it's a a promise for us. It's a gift to us. And it says in um, Luke 11, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? It's a gift that he's really willing to give to us. And so that's where we're going to go. We're going to invite him to come. And we're going to just pray, come Holy Spirit over one another. But we'll, we'll worship together. Let's fix our eyes on him. He's the living stone. He's the one that brings life. We're not looking to each other, actually. But it'd be good just to fix our eyes on the living stone now. Life pours out of him to us. So why don't you stand and we'll get the band back and we'll worship together. Yeah, 